If you're a Christian, nothing you possess is more valuable than your faith, because that's your only connection to God's infinite grace. So it's crucial that you guard your faith with everything you've got. So what do you do when doubt creeps in and threatens to weaken your faith? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. I was thinking about doubt, you know, these doubts come into your mind and you hear about these atheists are saying this and this is all a fantasy or it's, it's just a legend. And when you consider the suffering of the apostles, think about the role that plays in helping us understand the truth of this. All the, all the evidence for the resurrection, all the various evidences, some of it can be explained away if it's just by itself. For example, the empty tomb. Right? The empty tomb doesn't necessarily prove a resurrection. It just proves that the body's gone. You can have other ex- explanations. Uh, there's other reasons why tombs go empty. Uh, somebody takes the body. But there's one great fact, one great piece of evidence, this massive piece of evidence for the resurrection that cannot be explained any other way. And I've heard a lot of efforts to explain away the various evidences of the resurrection of Jesus. I've never heard a critic even try to explain this one. And, you know, maybe they have. I just, I just haven't heard it. And I can say, whatever doubts ever come into my mind whenever I start having doubts, this one piece of evidence has ch- chased away those doubts faster than any other piece of evidence for the resurrection. And the evidence I'm talking about is simply this. The apostles and the rest of Jesus' followers who did not even believe based on the prophecies. I mean, they heard all the prophecies and then, they, and then Jesus' and his body was gone and they didn't believe. And they didn't believe when they saw the empty tomb. That wasn't enough to persuade them either. But they believed when this happened. That something happened to convince them. And if you ask them, what was it? What finally convinced you that Jesus rose from the dead? And they would all say the same thing. They would say it was his appearances to us during those 40 days after the resurrection. That's what, that's what turned us around. And, and, and then you think, well, how do we know that actually happened? You know, what if it was, what if it was uh, just a, a, a legend? There's numerous ways we can know that it happened. Uh, for one thing, we know these are honest men. You can tell that by the way they write. You know that they're accurate historians. That's verified. We know that their writings haven't been altered. That can be proven historically. Lots of evidence along those lines. But the strongest, most powerful, persuasive, compelling proof of all is simply this. The people who gave us these eyewitness testimonies of the resurrection suffered and died for their testimony. When your mind starts to wander into doubt, and you start to think, is this stuff even true? Are the atheists right? Am I just believing this stuff because my mom and dad told me this? And I just, uh, when, when, when that stuff comes into your head, and you want to chase those doubts out of your head, you can ask yourself, should I believe the modern day atheists who are thousands of years removed, or should I believe the guys who were there, the men and women who saw it with their own eyes? Peter was there, John was there, Paul was there. They saw this. And they suffered and died for their belief that this actually happened. People don't willingly suffer and die for something that they know to be a lie. People don't endure repeated beatings with rods and stonings and scourgings and and imprisonments and torture and crucifixion, being thrown to the lions. Uh, 
people don't voluntarily go through all that for something they know to be a lie or even something they suspect might be a lie. If those men all had like real comfy, uh, cushy lives and they got great book deals from the whole thing and they were real wealthy and comfortable, uh, it might be a little harder for me to chase away the doubts. I might think, oh, they might have made this up for personal gain. But when I think about how they suffered, man, for me, the doubts, they're just gone. When I read through the New Testament, I think about what Paul went through, voluntarily subjected himself to, so that I could have the gospel. I just, I just want to say thank you, Paul, for enduring everything you endured so that I could not only hear the gospel, but know it's true. It's important that you know what to do when doubts about the Bible rise in your heart. If all you do is decide to just not think about it and divert your attention to something else, that doubt will sit there inside you and erode your faith. Your faith will become weaker and weaker over time, and when the moment of crisis comes, when you really need it, it could disintegrate. So when you come across strong evidences like this, it's good to make much of them. Paste them all over the walls of your heart so you don't forget them. And so doubts can't stand it in there and they leave. One thing that makes something stick in your memory is when it's connected to an emotion. So use your imagination. Daydream about what it felt like for Paul to be stoned until they thought he was dead. And what the recovery process must have been like. Imagine what it felt like to go into a city knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would be beaten. And imprisoned. Daydream about it. Daydream about how it felt to be scourged with a cat of nine tails. And then try to imagine a group of people willingly and even happily going through all that only so that they could preach something that they knew was a lie. Getting no earthly gain out of it at all. No money, certainly no honor or prestige. Only mockery, hatred, rejection, poverty, and horrible physical suffering. Impossible. Thank you, Father, for giving rock-solid, undeniable proof. Thank you for not making it so we had to accept you on blind faith and just hope we're right. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in ways we can understand. But even with all the many convincing proofs, still... My faith is weak. Strengthen it, Father. Whatever has to be done, please fortify my faith. Bring me to the place where I believe so fully that I would suffer anything for the privilege of delivering your grace to people. I believe, Father. Help my unbelief. You are worthy of the fullest trust. Your words are flawless. They're full of wisdom. When I walk, they guide me. When I sleep, they watch over me. And when I awake, they speak to me. They are a lamp, a light. They are the way to life, keeping me from sin. They renew my spirit. They give light to my eyes and joy to my heart. They're sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. And in keeping them is great reward. 
The grass withers and its beauty falls, but your words endure forever. As the rain comes down and waters the earth and makes it thrive with life, so are your words that come from your mouth. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, Lord, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. You are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me, to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.